Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we are, 20-some-odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John Teach Landis, and maybe a special guest or two. And we're going to make our friend, Michael Poli, watch one episode of Buffy Week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Hey, we're back. Uh, we're on uh, Season 4, Episode 11, Doomed. This is Buffy Virgin, as you know, because you're listening to us. I- I'm your host, Dennis St. John. I am joined, as usual, by the full gang, plus uh, cartoonist Donna Almondrala. Hello. Why don't all the boys introduce themselves? Hey, I'm Travis. I'm the uh, nerdy American Giles character of our podcast. Hey, I'm John. I've been looking forward to this episode because I am personally doomed. Hi, my name's Michael. I'm a virgin. I've seen only up to season four, episode 11 of Buffy, and I've never had sex. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Doomed is perhaps most famous for being the episode right after Hush. Uh, and that is why I wanted to have Donna on uh, today, because in addition to being a great cartoonist, Donna also uh, is a Buffy fan, and this episode has halted your Buffy viewing before. It's true. It it it's a it's a marathon though. So I'm surprised Beer Bad wasn't the episode that was too much. That this is the one. No, it's not Beer Bad. <laughs> <laughs> beer Bad doomed worse. yeah that's like that's how bad it ranks for me but um this rewatch made it a lot it was much more enjoyable i'm seeing the lighter things in life so (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm changed i'm a better person than i was two years ago so that must be the dog ownership (laughs) yeah (laughs) sorry (laughs) (laughs) he's very whiny right now oh uh all right well why don't we move on to the summary The Summary Buffy, Season 4, Episode 11, Doomed After being on mute last week, you'd think Buffy and Riley would have a lot to talk about. Well, they do, but just no one is talking. She thought he was a nice, normal guy, but isn't so sure. Only an earthquake gets them talking, although now Buffy's on edge because she died after the last earthquake in town. She goes to Giles, who is chilling on his shared patio, nonplussed about the tremors, while Buffy is 110% plussed about him. I'm using the American vernacular here. Willow, meanwhile, is trying to forget about Oz, or at least have some fun in college, and runs into her high school vanity project, aka Percy. While his new girlfriend is murdering Willow's sense of worth, a slightly more horrible green tentacle creature is making with the sharp claws on an apparently oversexed freshman at the party. As if her night can't get any worse, she wanders into a dark room, First red flag, lays down on a stranger's bed, second red flag, then closes her eyes, third red flag. When the lights come up, she's cuddling a corpse. The Scooby gang assemble at Giles' to figure out the skinny on the corpsification and the bloodletting. Buffy sets out on patrol because, darn it, she's seen that all-seeing eye before in the friendly neighborhood cemetery. Stumbling onto the green monster in question, she finds him stealing bones. And he's not even taking the ones that are worth anything. Somehow, she's not able to take him down and runs into Riley, who has been looking for her. He's basically pretty useless to her right now, so she leaves him and goes back to Giles's. Turns out they figured out some stuff in her absence, and it's more complicated than an Ikea shopping list. It's doomsday time again. Poor Spike has been down in the dumps and is being dragged along to help avert the end of the world, with a faint promise of possibly dying as a reward. You see, he's depressed because he's evil, but he can't, you know, be evil. It all culminates with Buffy and the gang having to go back to high school. Yes, that one they did burn down, and drop in on the Hellmouth, literally. Spike finds out he can hurt a demon, so he's happy. Buffy also gets some help from Riley in averting the apocalypse, which might explain why she decides to give their relationship a shot in the end. Ah, thank you, Travis. What can I say? (laughs) You're bad to the bone. Uh, So let's move on to Great Lines. Great lines. Uh, John, why don't you start us off? What's your favorite line this up? I loved in this episode when Buffy says, yes, but you're an amateur fry cook. 
And I come from a long line of fry cooks that don't live past 25. <laughs> yes, being fry cook is very dangerous. I've been a fry cook, I, I know. <laughs> You're lucky to have made it out alive. <laughs> it's true, actually. <laughs> uh, so I like um, from Forrest, she's cool, she's hot, she's tepid. She's all temperature buffy. <laughs> Uh, and I like um, from Buffy being upset about mausoleums mausoleums big freaky cereal boxes of death uh, Mike why don't you throw one at us sure so uh, when they're kind of leaving the mausoleum whatever you know Riley says to Spike do I know you and Spike says me no no sir I'm just an old pal of Xander's here <laughs> it's lovely <laughs> English people doing American accents is one of my favorite things that I've ever heard. Uh, I mean, obviously, James Marsters is an American doing an English person doing an American accent, which makes this extra special. But uh, I will bug uh, my partner, Harriet, to do my accent because I find it so funny. <laughs> it's all about them hard R's. It's actually, actually, she doesn't emphasize the hard R's. When she does, when, when, she, when she imitates me, it's like, she emphasizes the nasally A. Like, hi, I'm John, and I'm an American. <laughs> Can't wait for you to develop a slight English accent, John. Oh so my that, god, it's gonna be it's gonna be really awful because I'm gonna work with teenagers, or at least that's the plan. And so they're <laughs> gonna make merciless fun of me, and then I'm gonna pick up a little accent and come back, and then everybody here will make fun of me too. So I'll just be a man without an accent. We will call you Madonna so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, Donna, why don't you throw us a quote? Um, uh, this is from uh, Willow. Um, having been insulted by Percy and hurt by it, she says, I haven't been a nerd in a very long time. <laughs> uh, uh, that's good stuff. <laughs> All right. Uh, so this week's kill count. The kill count. Um, there were four earthquakes or aftershocks, one human gets sliced and diced, one suicide attempt, and um, I couldn't tell if it was two or three demons that died, uh, but that is my kill count. Uh, so now why don't we move on to the weird noticings and trivia. Weird noticings. I say uh, this episode starts uh, just seconds after Hush ends. Uh, and I think there's a new rat playing Amy. <laughs> it's black. Yeah. I don't think I don't think Amy was black before. Oh. That's not it's a subtle difference. I think we wouldn't notice. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Amy. <laughs> Which really indicates like she's been a rat too long, right? <laughs> like first Amy's dead. Do you think it was when she was changed into a human and then back? Oh, that would have been a good, like, excuse for how they did it, but I don't think that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Uh, I noticed that uh, in this episode that uh, Forrest is apparently a Superman fan. This is his second episode in a row making a Superman reference. Yeah. In, in Hush, he uh, says that he's Clark Kenting his way through life, and in this episode, he said something about Smallville. Yeah, he's a big nerd. Yep. <laughs> He's just really excited about the eventual premiere of Smallville in a year or two. <laughs> He's like on all the boards hearing the casting news. Uh, I was thinking because Riley doesn't know who the Slayer is at all. And like, I started to be like, Riley is just straight up Jon Snow. He's like, they're like, you know nothing, Riley Finn. <laughs> and like the initiative is totally like, um, what's it called? What's the the Knights or whatever? The Nightwatch. Yeah, the Night Watch, because they're like, they don't believe in like the White Walkers, even though they're like totally there. They're like totally ill-informed about like the shit that they're supposed to be, uh, that's supposed to be their job. So anyway, I like Jon Snow more than I like Riley Finn, but they're the same character. I think it's easier to like Jon Snow. I mean, the show likes Jon Snow, like Game of Thrones likes him. I don't know how Buffy feels about Riley. I don't think, I don't think we like him. It'd be funny <laughs> if they showed like, Jon Snow's like quarters and it had a balls poster. <laughs> uh, so uh, we go to Giles's um, and he's got this board that has all the commando uh, sightings. And there's like so many 
Like these dudes are not sneaky. They're completely failing at their sneak job. Uh, also, in that scene, to me, Giles sounded extra upper crusty or something. Did anybody else notice that? Well, because he's going into his correcting voice, right? Because Buffy's uh, trying to control the story. She's like talking about her premonitions and about the doom, right? And then Giles is trying to like bring it back. I that's what it felt like. It didn't feel off. It just felt like no, no, no. This is about these sightings and the thing I'm doing. Uh, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it sounded like season one Giles to me. I think that's part of what makes this episode hard for me is that people don't, they're acting as though they don't, they haven't learned or grown from any uh, experiences in the past. And so um, that, I think that's partly the frustrating part. That it's not just like filler fun episode. It's just like, we're totally like pretending that we don't, Listen to Buffy. She's not right about so many of her like hunches. <laughs> yeah, every time she That's has like a dream or a premonition or something, Giles never believes her at first, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I was trying to remember. Like, does he like what? What he does take her seriously sometimes, but for the most part, you know, it would be crazy if people took their dreams seriously, but. <laughs> At the same time, like Buffy has had premonitions in her dreams. I mean, when you bring it up, right. it's like kind of like we should totally be list. Like most people, you when they talk about their dreams, you're like, uh, no thanks, I didn't. It's like dreams and vacations. Like that's for you. Like don't <laughs> tell me about it. But but it's you know like Buffy has a track record, so please let exactly learn something from it. I was annoyed by that too because it seems like she knows what she's doing, but. She also didn't have a dream this episode. She had a dream last episode. Uh, right. It's it's just the aftershock part. It's just like the earthquake and then relating to like an earthquake back in season one. So then you're sort of like, okay, even she's stretch reaching, but yeah, I don't know. I did also like that line where she's like, last time there was an earthquake, I died. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like she brings up the earthquake just to not talk about Riley. So I didn't feel like it was the premonition thing. It was like, she knows Riley's involved in the initiative, even if they don't, she doesn't know the name for it. And it's like this weird, like thing where she's hiding information about Riley, which is like when she was hiding Angel. It's like, girl, oh, yeah. it's always hiding secrets. Like for me watching yes. this, you know, I was like, why are you hiding this? Giles should know this shit. Like, yeah. what's the benefit? What could she possibly gain by hiding Riley as, you know, a part of this organization? Is it because she thinks they should, they're going to have a secret tryst or like she's just trying to wait to see how it plays out. Maybe she's going to switch sides. You it know, does seem why? weird. She, yeah, is like protecting Riley over loyalty to Giles at this point. Like, yeah. Well, let's not forget that Giles pumped her full of drugs. And <laughs> we don't have to bring this up every single episode. Travis. <laughs> I'm just saying there's not a lot of moral authority with Giles. I think, I think she's protecting him just because of how bad things went down with Angel. She's just kind of feeling out the relationship because I think she doesn't know if this guy she likes is on the good side or the bad side or some entirely different side. So before she has to make a cosmic like choice of to oppose him, just trying to figure out what they like, work anyways. Do you think when she starts to date somebody, she's like pictures whether she could stab them through the heart or not? Yeah, she's like, yeah. <laughs> if it came down to it, could I decapitate you um, if the world's if the world's fate was riding on it? Yeah. Pretty easy choice with Riley. Uh, John? Uh, I just want to acknowledge that the Percy plot line has come back again. This is one of the great joys for me of this particular watch through is that I never noticed before that this weird, totally throwaway plot will just not die. I felt like this was a like a real emotional moment for Will. Like I felt for Will at this point. And like part of it is like Percy's this character who she had to like grow to like and it like expanded her insular world of high school right and then like for that to be betrayed by being called a nerd and stuff like it was really shitty <laughs> i felt that i felt that shittiness yeah i hear you i hear you i was pro willow on this can you remind me about what percy did so previously? percy is the guy he was the basketball guy who um willow was forced to tutor and then right. evil willow like scared him into being a good student and then, like, they had a good tutoring relationship after that. But, like, it comes back. I think this is the fourth or third, maybe, episode that we've had Percy in. And it's just weird how many things... I'm like a scholar. ...like, aren't picked up. But this is, like, this has this weird through line. It's just so strange to me. 
Percy's a type of guy who has to be scared nearly to death by an evil, evil version of a main character to be kind of okay. Which, by the way, he apparently doesn't remember now because he's like really brushing Willow off for somebody that he's mortally terrified of. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, I think Percy's return is good story-wise because this episode is their return to high school. Right. So it's like, this is a dude from high school. Right. Uh, so it's like that flashback. How many of uh, people from the uh, uh, Sunnydale High class of 99 that I would rather see again? <laughs> this would infuriate me if I was watching this episode, like not with the close rewatch and people to tell me who the fuck these characters are. <laughs> because the show is assuming that this guy has like a significant part of the show. Like I, you would think like, oh, did I miss something last week? I missed a week. So maybe Percy's a thing now. Like, no, they drop him <laughs> in. Here's Percy. Here's his fucking story. Remember when uh, Willow got taught him uh, how to be a good student? Yeah, remember that? Do you remember also that she terrified him? And did, it was a Darkwell episode? No. I actually thought this was back in season one because like she was, I think, tutoring people in season one too. And I don't yeah. think it was this guy. Right? Would it have been better if it was Jonathan and Jonathan's called her a nerd? Because I don't think that would work as well. No, Anything that is would, better with Jonathan. <laughs> no, that makes sense because you all love Jonathan. <laughs> so no you one, would have at least known the context. Yeah. I swear, Percy's come up and he's, no one's like, you guys see Percy in that episode? <laughs> Nobody has even set up a trigger for me to think about this character. Because that's how unimportant I literally is. didn't remember him being in more than one episode. <laughs> Here's my prediction. This is Percy's last appearance. <laughs> Uh, so let's talk about this uh, symbol that's carved into this dude. Uh, there's three images that I have here for you. Uh, the first is the drawing that Willow does of the symbol carved in the guy's chest, which is a fairly accurate drawing of what's carved in his chest. And then the second image is the CBS logo. So Xander looks at that image and says, it's like the CBS logo. There is no similarity between that drawing and the CBS logo. Now, the third thing it's an eye. is the yeah, eye it's eye. I disagree with the no similarity. Okay, all right. But the obvious comparison is the eye of Providence, which is on every single dollar bill that Xander has handled his entire <laughs> life. And he does it, ah, it just makes me so angry. It also makes me frustrated that even uh, Buffy is like, I've seen this somewhere before, and it's like, this right. is such a common symbol. This is like some fucking <laughs> Illuminati shit. This is like. Can we like cough it up to budget that they couldn't research like <laughs> yeah. a unique symbol? What network is this on? This is on Fox at the time. Uh, WB. CW? WB. Did they have a CBS and anti-CBS thing or? I, is there any I don't think no? they had any formal <laughs> relationship the, with CBS. I love that idea though that like there's a demon that like carves the NBC logo into people. Is <laughs> a demon that carves the Fox logo into people. Apparently right. back when Buffy was airing, Joss Whedon asked a question to the internet of like, if any of the Buffy, if in the Buffy world, they turned on the WB at Tuesdays at eight, what would be on? And the answer was like a show that's basically a parody of their lives called like Esmeralda, the, the monster killer. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Clever. Uh, Trev. Um, what am I supposed to say now? <laughs> oh Yeah. I got it. I got it. I got it. So, I mean, I, even I forgot how, how many episodes are solved by going to the cemetery, but this is just like another random, Oh, there's this crypt. There's this, let's have Mike make a prediction. Do you think the, there will be another episode that will hinge on some random spot in the cemetery we've never seen before, but Buffy remembers exists. Well, you just set up a great prediction. Yes, of course. Yes, or, I don't know because because you can't because I can't I can't say how many times more. I it four times, five times, three times. That's impossible. <laughs> you might as well guess how many more times Percy will be on the show. But you already guessed <laughs> zero. <laughs> well, apparently they can just you know forget the cemetery now. Just go back to where the school got blown up because that's a site there now that they can start digging through. I hope they revisit that school set. I can't so wait to talk about that. Yeah. I mean, that's a prediction. I think they're going to go back to that stupid school set a couple more times. So this episode uh, reminded me a lot of the Zeppo, but without the like fun Zeppo part of it. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like a mid-season apocalypse and it's like these group of demons, I think even the same amount of demons maybe, who like are going to open up the Hellmouth and it's... It's another apocalypse that doesn't feel like the, with the weight of a season finale apocalypse. You're just like, all right. And it, I got to say, the melodrama was a lot easier to handle 
between Angel and Buffy in the Zeppo when you knew it was a joke than the <laughs> terrible Riley Buffy melodrama <laughs> this episode. I hadn't thought about the mid-season apocalypse, but yeah, totally, the Zeppo does that. I feel like that's something any supernatural show does, so it just feels like such a cliche, like a mid-season end of the world. I don't even know how you would like frame an article about this. You'd be like, mid-season apocalypses that didn't do that, weren't that great. Because, <laughs> you know, usually yeah. an apocalypse thing you got to build up to, but this one is just like, uh, it's a one-off apocalypse. Because it, it's just like a, um, a cheap metaphor for their relationship. <laughs> <laughs> so based on the little conversation that we hear between Buffy and Riley, right, about you know, what they know about each other. It's like, does the initiative not think that occult literature is worth reading? Because it seems like Buffy is in that, the Slayer is in that stuff. Or does Riley not interested in that stuff? Like, they have to, do they just completely ignore all the occult books that talk about demons and have pictures of demons and like lay this shit out? Or does Giles have the fucking like monopoly on those books and they can't get to them because he's a librarian. He's like, "Mm, I know you know access to the initiative people. This is one of my favorite parts of the episode is when they're intercutting between the Scooby gang figuring stuff out and the initiative trying to figure stuff out. And it's it's neat because like the uh, initiative has all of the symptoms of competence, but not the disease. (laughs) <laughs> and like and the and the Scooby gang is the opposite where they sound like they're just like muddling through but they actually have a ton of experience and a ton of knowledge and they just figure it out right away yeah so you know given that the they again so the initiative seems very unknowledgeable like how could they be the demon police force they don't know anything about demons and they're not uh, not interested in learning more. You know, they're learning more apparently through like more of a surgical means. Like the way you sometimes think that a doctor is anal- analyzing a situation versus an actual, like versus like not listening to the person. Fucking doctors, am I right? <laughs> not a single good one. <laughs> but do you th- like the way it's drawn out at this extent, it feels like it's, they're trying to make a commentary on the military or commentary on the police and how that, you know, that kind of world operates at this point, because we've gone so long, there has to, it has to be a commentary on how we think those organizations function. And then to me, it's the, the fact that they've recruited college students as their like soldiers, <laughs> like that to me is very strange. And I guess that's what the army does is they, as soon that's as true. they're yeah. like ready. So I just wonder like, what did Riley do? Did he sign up for the army? And then suddenly it was this commando initiative thing. Or did he sign up to be a grad student and get recruited, <laughs> like, by Wash? Um, right. Yeah, because, yeah. like, I, I get the military. It's like, oh, we're going to pay for your college. And you can stay at college while you, you know, on the weekends, punt demons in your neighborhood. Like, yeah, sure, why not? He's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you can tell, for, like, Forrest has the comment about they're just animals and, like, not looking into it any more than that. So you can tell, like, they're not. Yeah, they definitely don't read the literature, right? But Forrest yeah. knows what a slayer is, where Riley is a clueless, right? Forrest is like, oh, yeah, that's the bogeyman for d- demons, I guess. Yeah, so I guess Forrest actually talks to the demons, but then is like, you're just a dumb animal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when we learn what the ritual is, um, it reminded me a lot of the ritual in Goblet of Fire that they used to resurrect Voldemort. Because uh, they need um, the bones of a child, the blood of a man, and like a mystical talisman or whatever, and that sacrifices, three sacrifices. And to resurrect Voldemort, they needed the bones of the father, the blood of the enemy, um, and then like the sacrifice of a, of a servant, right? So I just thought it was similar, similar ingredients. For next time you <laughs> want to start your own... Uh... Yeah. Blood ritual. You, know, you want to end the world or <laughs> resurrect an old friend? I don't know. Do we know exactly what it is that they were going to bring about besides the end of the world? Like, was a monster going to appear? Was the world just going to end? I was going to complain about this. Yeah. Is like they've gotten even lazier with the hellmouth with the hellmouth than they used to be. Is that totally dime store apocalypse? <laughs> 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 and they're the place they're like just preventing them from jumping in too like that's the la- like it's clearly they fucked up so much if they're at the point where they're about to commit suicide and they're trying to stop them yeah. from jumping in it's like this is we are too late 
We this fucking hole up. That's what we need to do. <laughs> yeah, do they not know about cement trucks? I don't know. Oh, man, yeah, they should totally cement it. If only they knew somebody on a construction crew. <laughs> uh, uh, John, I like your next noticing. I just want to point out that Spike was doing his laundry naked, which, I mean, it totally makes sense. Uh, he was, you know, like kidnapped by the initiative and then jumped into uh, the care of the Scoobies, and he only had the clothes on his back, plus that torn-up blanket, which he doesn't seem to have anymore. So it makes sense that you only have one change of clothes. And in that situation, you do a lot, you do your laundry naked. You don't really have a choice. I just want to point out that it was happening. <laughs> Spike was doing his laundry naked. That's all. While not fixing the pipes. Yes. <laughs> Although maybe he was fixing the pipes naked. I believe uh, he spent zero time fixing the pipes. <laughs> uh, while we're talking about Spike, uh, Donna. Spike's- oh, I think I've noticed this more upon um, rewatch that um, a lot of Spike's uh, vocabulary is just like British um, slurs, like homophobic slurs. And so I feel like, I think it's interesting of like the time of being like that, ca- those casual uh, comments were just, everywhere on tv and i certainly didn't notice them as like hurtful until like now i'm an adult and i think oh actually that has an impact on someone who's growing up and watching this probably yeah i don't know maybe it's because it's like british so you sort of forgive it as like this is different like another language yeah but it's also like because it's british it gets like another level of like insulation from that because like i i'm even saying i can i said poof rest now and it doesn't have any as much meaning or anything to me because it's not a word that we use to you know to talk about homosexuals in the united states when we were growing up and so yeah, like yeah. it's just like it's its own little special world where like it doesn't have the power here at all and it sounds kind of goofy but like it's said hatefully it is absolutely yeah. The, the <laughs> same thing as calling someone a faggot but it's just like in a special category so it's yep. It's safer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And it's also like interesting because like Spike is a character we all enjoy and stuff. And there's aspects of him that don't age as well as others. Considering he doesn't age. It's called the Xander effect. And uh, every character has a little bit of something that isn't so great anymore. And Xander's getting better, right? Yeah. Yeah. We can analyze that. (laughs) It's on. He's on an episode by episode basis with me as his probation uh, officer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so during the Riley conversation, where she's like, I mean, there's multiple Riley conversations, but like she's basically the answer is no, and then he's like, I don't accept that. Uh, so I just want to say, like, shut up, Riley. Like, when a woman says she doesn't want to date you, you stop arguing. Um, that was like very frustrating. That. that the Riley stuff this episode frustrated me much more than like I've never liked Riley that much, but it frustrated me much more than I even remember. Like, totally. That's really hard too because every every interaction is like them, like every scene they're just like they keep meeting again, and it's just like <laughs> they they had the same conversation, <laughs> and so that's frustrating for the viewers to watch too. It's just like you keep running into him and you keep having the same yeah no i I also would like the buffy riley thing resolved in some way like kiss or stop talking (laughs) or do something different i mean i guess this episode is doing something different they're like teaming up but uh it's yeah just like needless tension john what's this zoom in and enhance um the giles's book that he uses to look up the word of valios is what apparently what they did when they made this prop was they like put the picture of the word of Valios into a Bible because uh. Uh, the text there is uh, the book of Ezekiel chapter 30. What? Except that I guess to make it not like sacrilegious, I guess is the thought. If you look carefully at verse two, remember <laughs> they have the words Lord or God, they scratch out the first word and put a different, the first letter and put a different letter. So it says, therefore thus saith the Nord Mod. <laughs> Oh my God. I, I mean, it seems sacrilegious either way to like have a Bible with that in it, but I guess it's less holy if it's a book about the Nord Mod instead of the Lord God. I have no idea. That's so weird. Isn't that bizarre? Do they do this often? I have no idea. Um, but there, there's that. 
And that also explains why it's so hard for Giles to, for them to find the right info because all of these hist- all of these texts are just like mods of the Bible. With like- <laughs> Bones uh, of a child. I remember bones of a child. <laughs> uh, and then also Giles kind of curses himself at one point for not remembering that he had uh, the word of Valios in like his like bin. Um, but he's even dumber than he should, than he thought he was because, or then we realized, <laughs> look at the screenshot at the bottom. It says word of Valios written on the back of the word of Valios. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> you have to screenshot it just the right moment to see it, but it just says wow. Word of Valios in pretty big letters just written on it. <laughs> well, that makes sense why he would have thought it was a knockoff or a reproduction. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> it's like those like uh, uh, Halloween costumes that have the character's face on the chest. <laughs> That's so weird. What a weird noticing, John. <laughs> so uh, Spike has a turning point this episode, and I think it's a pretty weird turning point. He just basically finds out he can punch monsters, and I was like, yes. <laughs> I am in it now. <laughs> the the turn, though, is so crazy. Like, when Spike is, like, all of a sudden becomes this complete sadist or whatever, where it's, like, hurting people <laughs> makes me feel good. Like, that's... Do you want that guy on your team? I guess everybody has that guy in their team in the military. The guy that like really wants to hurt people. Yeah. He's not, he's not in it for the greater good. He's yeah. It's just like, I love the setup for this where it's like spikes on the, one of the good guys now, but uh, he's completely untrustworthy and loves hurting people. And then at the end, we trying to convince everybody like, we should be out there fucking people up. You're like, what the heck is going on? Are we going to have adventure just because Spike knows you can hurt bad people? I can't, my, the conflict I want to predict happens, of course, is that they're like talking to a demon and like negotiating and then Spike just starts hitting him because it feels good. And you're like, oh man. He, wrong team. Wrong team. <laughs> uh, Mike? Uh, yeah, so the balls poster, right? So uh, now earlier, there's two posters featured in this episode. There's the chocolate poster. Right. And there's the balls poster. And both of them are kind of like defining categories of people. Um, oh, um, it's really obnoxious, like gender defining. Girls like chocolate and boys like balls. <laughs> And like, and not only is it literally a balls poster, Riley is playing with a ball. (laughs) Like, like you're like, he's a dude. He's a doodly dude. And he's playing with balls with a ball. I mean, you're just, it's so annoying. It's like that weird moment where they're, they're, they're playing with the like Nerf basketball and Forrest is like, Hey man, focus on the game. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's nerf or nothing. <laughs> anyway, Riley is a tool, and you're supposed to think he's a tool. I get, like, uh, it's awful to me that Buffy goes back into his room, because, like, he had given up. <laughs> they were so close to, like, ending the Buffy-Riley Re- relationship now. They could have done it. He had felt defeated by his, like, poor, like, uh, camouflage skills. And had just totally given up. Uh, so then they uh, they go to the high school. It's the first return to high school since they graduated, and it's still all blowed up. And nobody's even cleaned up the mayor. Xander steps on mayor guts. Like it's been months. Do you know how bad that mayor meat would smell? Do you know how many crazy animals would have like eaten mayor meat? Like think of the raccoon situation there. It's shocking. <laughs> really, like they should do so much with that space, and the fact that it's just left there, like a. Like it is, it's really crazy. I mean, I love the conception of it, but it's still like, this is this is what's left. Like there's been no work. They did not do any demolition. Like no. it's, proper, it's like that real estate worth nothing and no one gives a shit. Like it's cursed, obviously. Also, they left a hole to hell in there, like just <laughs> open. <laughs> there's no sign pointing out that it's dangerous. It would have been funny if there was caution tape around the hole. I mean, that would have been like super sick. Uh, so let's talk about that hole to hell, Please. which I assume is the hell mouth, right? Yeah, it, ha- it has to be. You wouldn't try to kill yourself in the hole if it wasn't the hell mouth hole. Uh, so it's, it's in, you know, once the demons figure out that's the hole and like Xander puts it together before anybody else does, you know, that like this, Hey, that they're, 
that's the hell mouth hole, whatever. Um, he doesn't say that. But like, how how deep is that hole? Because the one demon jumps in, Buffy and Riley have this negotiation that's a second long or whatever, where Riley hitches her up so she can jump after him. But she was going to jump in after before that, right? Like, she was going to kill the demon on the way down was her plan. <laughs> yeah. And then die. Like, she was going to die. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's was that her plan? Yeah, I think it was no plan. Also, the I mean, <laughs> the visual logistics are like very frustrating because that hole is so small, and then the fall is so deep, and like that thing. It's he, like they're like curtain line that he like yeah. straps on. There's no way that could like that would like cut his fingers off. How long? How long is that? How does it like hold the weight of a slayer and a demon? <laughs> Does, and he like physically pulled them back up? Is he that pulls them back up hand over hand. Right, and he wasn't wearing gloves. I was shocked too. I was kind of expecting gloves because I was like, <laughs> you're going to bloody up your hands. I would never touch that line. He's like, have you seen Jaws? <laughs> it, it, makes, it, makes doing, it makes performing a magic spell look like the rational, reasonable, more likely <laughs> to succeed alternative. I feel like if this was in the pilot, if this was the pilot episode, the show would never have made it. <laughs> <laughs> Like that kind of stunt, because that's such a shitty, weird, like, the problem is weird. So three bad guys, if they jump in this hole, by the way, it just looks like a hole to us. It's not elaborate. There's no big opening. There's no fire escape. It's just like they jump in a hole to their death, uh, <laughs> but they do it very casually. Uh, if three of them jump through, that's it. We're all dead as a people. If three people jump in a hole, you know, Buffy's plan is to jump in after and then kill the dude before like snap his neck or something, grab it in midair. And then he jumped in first. You don't, you don't get to fall faster. Like you can't, you don't get to fall faster than someone and grab them. Right. Like people fall off the same. No. If he had more. He might have drag. special falling, falling. Uh... If his, if his robes are making him have a lot of drag and she was like, you know, a little speeding bullet. I mean, what if she jumped down, like did a push off with her slayer strength? All right. Like, uh, yeah. What if she did this and was like, "What's well, like it's it's a portion of the dimension? Who knows what the physics are like down there?" All right. True. Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Let's just. Oh, say I was going to say they... that. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> hey Ted, you want to play twenty questions? <laughs> anyway, I was amazed that Buffy was going to sacrifice her life so quickly for that shit. That was crazy. And then you know they have a plan, I guess, but. I, nothing, nothing was shocking about that scene until Buffy jumped in. And then it was really shocking. Everybody knows it's mid-season, basically. They know, like, stakes are low. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's the thing is there's no sense of danger this episode at all. Even though <laughs> the world is ending. Yeah. But maybe that's the metaphor is that it's the end of the world, but it also... It's not actually the end of the world. It only feels that's like the end of the world. Because your yeah. high school boyfriend or your college boyfriend is bullshit. Uh, let's uh, move on to questions. Questions for the group. Uh, John? Okay, I want to hear people's earthquake stories. I've only been in one earthquake, that weird East Coast earthquake that was like a tiny little shake that happened a few years ago. I was in one as a kid uh at disneyland and i was in the pirates of the caribbean and it shut down for like a half hour did the pirates eat the tourists they did not <laughs> <laughs> sam jackson was right <laughs> did you just sit in the boat yeah we just sat in the boat did the pirates repeat their spiels no they died <laughs> they turned off the pirate audio or whatever yeah. or the yeah they just totally shut down uh yeah it bothers me when the earthquake happens though that riley like does his you know and then buffy lets him be like the protector of her and you mm. can sort of see that oh well <laughs> scary thing well, well to be fair riley's like a big hunk of meat so if you want something to fall on you you want to have it hit you. <laughs> that probably would have been like oh riley now we're over me as well this <laughs> Because he doesn't know how earthquakes work because he's all jazzed up for one, which proves that he's from the Midwest. Standing yeah. in a door frame. What if I stood in a meat frame in a door frame? Yeah. Riley, you basically got the proportions of a door frame. <laughs> how excited was he about the fucking earthquakes? He has a huge excitement, like, right on his face. Like, what the fuck? 
I'm just a little Midwestern dude. This is exciting. Like this is a bad thing, guy. It's like yeah. you don't get jazzed up because you're in the middle of a tornado. Like, whoa, this wind is crazy. Tornadoes are pretty cool. I've been irritated about that before in real life. Like when um Hurricane Irene hit Vermont and it was only like a tropical storm by that that point. Like a friend of mine was like, I wish it was worse. And I was like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> Seriously. Well, uh, what is uh, Mike's got the next question that's related to that. So, as a viewer, what do you want from the Riley Buffy relationship? Um, I just want it to end. <laughs> well, I mean, what you want is you want them to explore uh, because up until this point, you think, I mean, Buffy thinks that she's doomed in a relationship. So, you want to have them try to explore you know, I guess how difficult is a real relationship? And is it just, is our real relationship is just really difficult? It's not that she's doomed. You you know, everyone thinks I'm so special, you know, you know, uh, these are unique problems to me, but maybe what I would like to see is them to say, is it really unique problems in the relationship of her being a slayer or is it just that relationships are tough? I like that. That's a good point. It's just not Buffy. Yeah, I feel like TV doesn't really explain that relationships are tough. Yeah, I feel yeah. like TV is like, no, okay, Romeo and Juliet. Let's. I feel like like everything is like, no, it's not that the relationship's tough. It's that your your families are at war, or you're, you know, or or yeah. this person is this from this is walk of life, and this person is that walk of life, or your blood enemies. Yeah, and it's like, well, that would make things hard, harder than the baseline. But I feel like. I'm trying, I wish I'm trying to pull up. There's anywhere where it's like, no, no, baseline relationships are tough. Maybe Felicity got this right. Maybe I'm, mad I'm, about you. I was going to say mad about you. Mad about you may have gotten this right. And Felicity may have gotten this right, but I've never done a serious watch through of Felicity. Well, you should uh, watch more TV, Trav. Yeah, that's the one thing I haven't done enough in my life. <laughs> I I love the baseline relationships are hard enough kind of thing. And so it's like, what do I want? You know, just want them to have a happy, healthy relationship, Michael. That's what I want as a viewer. <laughs> Gilmore. Gilmore does a good job about relationships are hard. Gilmore, that, 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 that's why. Yeah, they did it. They did it good. All right. Good job naming one of the five shows you watch, you've watched. Ouch. I just remembered that a Gilmore did a good job at it. Yeah, they, that's a good relationship show. Like, I like the way they portray. They're uh, like people with supernatural abilities or apocalypses. And yet relationships still do not work out. And are interesting to watch. Uh, so... Spike has lived with Giles and he's living with Xander. Um, I really like the Spike Xander relationship better. Whereas Giles is like, meh, kind of annoyed with Spike. Xander is like, goes through the phases of like flirtation and torture <laughs> and near death. Like, it is weird. It is like, things get weird over there. <laughs> uh, I want to see the Spike Xander buddy movie. What do you want to see in a Spike Xander buddy movie? <laughs> I want to see how Xander explains Spike to his mom, what his mom thinks this relationship is. <laughs> the dude that lives tied up in my bedroom. <laughs> the guy who's doing naked laundry when he's not tied up. <laughs> yeah, I want Anya to like call out what it, I mean, it is and like be annoyed that Spike is there. Like, I just, I just want this relationship to completely implode. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if Anya feels like uh, she didn't sign up to be part of a thruple here. <laughs> uh, Donna, I like your next question because I think it speaks very much to who you are as a person. Sure. Why do people... So this is in reference to watching the next scene where Willow is at this party that she asked Buffy to go to, but Buffy's busy. Why do people go to parties even if they don't know anyone? Like, not just small parties, like a gathering but like a big like a frat party with naked limbo okay <laughs> why do people do this <laughs> to torture me <laughs> yeah to torture you no i think people go to have fun and to meet people and to have experiences mm. but why do people like us go because we feel some weird obligation in our brains that we couldn't shut off i'll tell you what it is it's called fomo Oh, uh, fear of missing okay. out you could have you know you enjoy hanging out by yourself you know you enjoy doing your thing with your friend or friends right 
and then I'm gonna invite you to a party at you know it's an apocalypse celebration party and you're like damn that's probably really cool <laughs> but I'm enjoying myself so much I don't even like those people but and this invite is from Mike but it says Mike will not be attending exactly. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's the apocalypse party it, it's probably there's a hundred people are going to be there Mo it must be great <laughs> So you guys, you see yourselves doing exactly what Willow did? Maybe I've definitely done it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. And then what? And how just was like, the experience? Just like Willow, I was like, I've been just quiet, not talking to people, and then regretted it and woken up next to a dead body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she goes into a, a random room and lies down, right? That's what yeah. happens. Okay, that is crazy. That is college... <laughs> College uh, be safety 101 is like, <laughs> it's cr crazy for the amount of stuff the Scooby gang has experienced, the like level one mistakes they still make. You know, the episode should have started there with her waking up next to a dead body and then like <laughs> laying oh, away. Yeah. And it wouldn't have made any sense. It would have made less sense that way, but it would have been a more provocative opener. Yeah. Agreed. That's like a, a Bones opener, right, Trav? Character waking up yeah. next to Bones. Yeah, yeah. First five minutes. First two minutes. Yeah, you got to get a body. You got a body for those bones. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's move on to uh, the recommendations and predictions. Recommendations. Uh, so I went to Godzilla Night 7 uh, yesterday, which was super fun. And they played... Uh, Mothra, Shin Godzilla, and uh, King Kong versus Godzilla. Uh, and Donna was there for Shin Godzilla, which is fun. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to recommend uh, Mothra and Shin Godzilla because they both kind of deal with like the incompetence of the military or government with dealing with a monster. Um, and that's very much, especially what Shin Godzilla is about, is about meetings. Um, so that seems to that connected a lot with uh, uh, what we saw of the initiative so far. Like, Did you realize um, what the guy said it was used as propaganda for their SDF? Like, is that accurate? Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, the legendary Godzilla was also used by our government as propaganda to oh. join our army, uh, which is funny because, like, all of these movies are, like, about how the military can't defeat Godzilla. Right. <laughs> Weird. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's, um, I mean, the politics of Shin Godzilla are weird and are very specifically, like, Japan, right? Because they're, like, criticisms of, like, the Japanese, like, constitution and stuff. And you're like, I don't quite get this, but that's a great-looking monster. <laughs> the Dennis St. John story. <laughs> uh, and because there was almost an apocalypse, I'm going to recommend Prince of Darkness, because uh, we were talking off-camera uh, about John Carpenter. Uh, it's a John Carpenter movie about the apocalypse. Uh, it's really good and weird and has uh, Alice Cooper as maybe Satan or maybe just a schizophrenic homeless man. Hmm. Uh, and um, because there's a hellmouth that people jump down, I'm going to recommend the new movie Amazon Hotbox, which <laughs> is uh, a new women in prison exploitation movie from. Uh, folks who did um, Frankenstein created uh, bikers and it's like a lot of the same cast from uh, the Scott Shermer uh, independent horror movies. Um, so it's got like Ellie Church and Tristan Risk, uh, but it's a women in prison movie, but it has a bottomless pit in it. So that, that is the connection. And I was going to recommend another movie that I really like. And the only real connection was that the demons in this one remind me of some of the monsters in it, but I'm actually going to save it for next week. Cause next week we're going to, do a uh, episodes one through 11 recap of Angel. And I have um, a movie I really like that I'm gonna do as a recommendation for that. Uh, so stay tuned to find out what it is. <laughs> All right, let's move on to predictions. Virgin predictions. Okay, so. Start off with here, Michael, uh, where we last left you, you were at a 64.5%. You've been rising very slowly, I think, lately. You've been sort of back up. You've been doing better. Let's see what we got for today. So 
Uh, this is one that kind of came up and then I realized that we actually kind of need to do a retroactive one. We kind of missed one. So in season three, episode two, you predicted that all planned parties will be run over by demons, which uh, <laughs> this episode has a party where a demon attacks somebody. So that holds with that. However, I realized that in the initiative, there's a party that turns out just fine. What party? It's the one with uh, Oz's mixtape. Yes, that one. And cheese. Aww. Yes, that one. That was a missed opportunity for a demon rampage. <laughs> yes, it's an ordinary party. Was that really a party? <laughs> <laughs> no, really. I believe it's called a party by the people there. <laughs> so uh, in the initiative, uh, there, was a, there was a party with no demons. So. Oh, bummer. Bummer, Mike. That is a denied. I mean, they have such a good track record. They have like a 90% <laughs> fucking up parties track record. Uh, this one's going to be controversial and whatever. I don't know if we really, this is really, we need to discuss this. But in season three, episode four, Mike predicted that the next time Buffy gets good advice from an adult, other than Giles or Joyce, that adult will die in the episode. Now, here is the case I want to make. Riley is an adult. And the advice he gives Buffy, I don't think it's good advice, but maybe somebody wants to think that it's good advice. Anybody, anybody think that this, this uh, applies? What's the advice? Just date me? Date me. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no. it's like, you're not in high school anymore. Uh, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> but Riley's compromised. Yeah. Uh, your go-to yeah. male voice is you can literally just use your own voice because you are a man. Right. If your go-to voice is Keanu Reeves for a character, that person's not an adult. <laughs> All right. Well, then there we go. Oh, Wait. princess who's come from the past. <laughs> so uh, that would be uh, one denial uh, for this episode. So your score actually drops instead of a uh, 64.5. You're not a 64 Point one. Nothing else? There's nothing about visiting the high school or anything? I don't believe so. No, I, I don't think I made one about that. Yeah. Dang. I didn't assume they'd go back. I should have made a prediction they would never go back. But here's a prediction. They're not... Uh, well, no, they are going to go back now that there's a Hellmouth there. They have to. Um, the Hellmouth will appear again in season four. <laughs> That's going to be too easy. Um, Percy will not appear again on the show. Uh, Spike will preemptively attack a demon that hasn't attacked him. <laughs> That's maybe obvious, but <laughs> character-wise, like, I want to say that he's going to fuck things up for them, like where he's going to attack a demon that they don't want to attack, but I'm just going to say Spike will preemptively attack a demon. Uh, and then Professor Walsh will be the main focus of a season four episode. There's just no way we can... She's the elephant. We got to talk about her. All right. Uh, is uh, predictions filled out? Yeah, uh, that's predictions. All right, let's move on to our themes and deep stuff. Deep stuff. All right, uh, Donna, uh, uh, which dialogue are you calling out here? Oh, I, I guess it gets better towards the end, but um, I think the conversation between Buffy and Riley just makes me very very uncomfortable yeah <laughs> um but i don't know at, at first i was like i was i wonder if mark lucas isn't a good actor and <laughs> maybe that's part of it but i really don't know because i don't know mark lucas outside of buffy so i don't like i don't know how he is yeah i mean i guess the dialogue the cringy thing touches on dennis your uncomfortability with like why they can't they're not even we don't understand why the stakes are so high already uh, I just feel like I mean the, the, Buffy's like saying this is stuff that's not good for her yeah. she's like and she's saying like I've gone through this before but she's like this is like this isn't good for me and I don't want to be I don't want this and he's like yeah but I've never met anyone like you <laughs> <laughs> right and I can like, totally are... see from yeah from Buffy's perspective it's like she can't go through something she knows already that she can't have a relationship that's like based in yeah. death. <laughs> but if I win the argument, I get to date you. 
John, you want to throw us? <laughs> well, I mean, I think we've kind of covered the thing, but um, so Buffy doesn't want to date Riley, right? And I think that we've, I think we're kind of in agreement here, basically that like, first of all, she doesn't need to give a good reason. So there's that. But also that her reason I think is fairly sound. Like I've already dated somebody in the demon world. It didn't work out. I'd like to date somebody who's not in the demon world. You know, like I've decided I don't want to date, you know, people who are nerdy in the same way I am. Like that's not attractive to me. I think that's reasonable. Maybe that's yeah. a bad example. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I want to ask you more questions, but <laughs> <laughs> this episode is so boring. We're just going to talk about ourselves. <laughs> this makes it so much different from every other episode of Buffy. <laughs> we never discuss our personal lives. Um, I, I will say though, that it's interesting though, that like in their argument, which again, for the record, the argument is moot because you can't argue somebody into dating you or you shouldn't even if you can. Uh, but it's interesting though, that Buffy is kind of losing the argument because most of her reasons for not dating Riley are reasons for not dating anyone. Like yeah. eventually she stops saying like, I don't want to date somebody who's in the demon world or whatever. She starts like saying like, last time I dated somebody, it went badly. So I'm never going to date any Like she doesn't go so far as to say, I'm never going to date anyone. But a lot of her reasoning seems to lead there. Uh, so she loses the debate, but I think she uh, wins the being a good person. Your prize, if you win, is not dating Riley, I hope. <laughs> she was so close to not dating him this episode. It could have ended. <laughs> That's torture. That's just torture. Yeah, I think Buffy is very reasonable in her, like, reactions. And I think Riley's very unreasonable in not accepting her reasons. In her reasoning. Sorry, can you guys hear this? Now we can. Yep. You froze for a second. Okay. Oh, because she's so muddled, as John said, in her reasoning, she's actually not even being honest with him about how she actually feels about it. And so in a way, her denying him is more just emotionally stunting herself from like a possibly pos positive experience. But yeah, but is it like reasonable to like be like, let me go over like my like major ex-boyfriend issues like while in the middle of this argument with you, you know? Like, yeah, and he doesn't even know what she's been through. He just assumes that it's lame. It's yeah. frustrating because I think the episode is on Riley's side. That's what's frustrating. Yeah, it is, it is. Yeah, and I guess, yeah, and that's like the issue I really took with this episode is like, it is this thing we as men have like culturally indoctrinated into us is like, don't give up. Like if you like love the girl like don't give up and like you can like start date or just wear her down or whatever and it's like that's really unhealthy and it's shit that we have to unlearn and it's like sucks to see an example of that and like recognize what it is but it's like reinforced in all tv that we watch yeah <laughs> like if that's what i'm saying if buffy didn't go into that room it wouldn't have reinforced it this episode it would have yeah. been like that riley thing is over because that dude's like a military monster hunter and i'm not about that uh and i said no and been like, <laughs> me as a like six 17 year old would have been like oh <laughs> yeah instead of being yeah yeah <laughs> maybe if i just chase her a little bit more then we get the like riley spinoff show where he dates somebody as boring as him and they hunt monsters together I, no one wants to see a Riley spin on show. <laughs> <laughs> Riley's Place is the name of the show. <laughs> Whatever the most boring name for a show would be. That sounds like a Blue's Clues style, like kids' show. Like, okay, the Riley's Place. Or just Riley. like, what's like, uh, we must Riley's Clark Initiative. There you go. Or, like, it's, it's just called Just Clarkin' Around. <laughs> cheese <laughs> okay he's got a pal named whiskey and it's whiskey and riley oh and, and uh they have adventures together that don't that involve pining after women obviously and whiskey's a horse right <laughs> <laughs> uh whiskey's his uh camaro <laughs> <laughs> and it's voiced by forest <laughs> right forest gets transformed into a camaro to this is to starting to sound awesome you guys i would watch this it was really weird 
uh donna i really like your last note uh seems oh, very yeah. bleak uh yeah because i was trying to i was trying to think about like what is the point of this episode <laughs> um yeah but you're right it is just sort of like it's a lame reinforcement of the riley culture so now i am angry <laughs> stupid riley culture <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's our episode. Uh, so thanks, everyone. Donna, uh, what are you doing? Where can people see your stuff? Oh, um, I'm making comics at madmacaques.com. Or you can follow me on the social at madmacaques, M-A-D-M-A-C-A-Q-U-E-S. And uh, I'm also going to be at uh, San Francisco Zine Fest, if anybody's in SF, next Sunday. So check me out all right thank you thank you and uh uh i've been your host dennis st john i'm at d-e-n-i-s-c-o-m-i-x everywhere uh except for instagram where i'm saint com dennis saint comics uh yeah and you can uh, buy the newest issue of famous monsters magazine in october and read the first uh 12 pages of my comic whisper in the woods uh, and uh, Buffy Virgin, you can find online at Buffy Virgin. Uh, we're a .com and we're a Twitter, uh, Buffy Virgin Pod. Uh, please uh, comment, uh, rate, review, subscribe. Tell us how funny we are. Tell us we need to talk more about ourselves and less about Buffy. Uh, we love those <laughs> kind of comments. All right. And we'll see you in hell. <laughs>